Welcome to the Earthborn Games podcast. I'm your host, Anders Carlson, and I'm joined here as always by game design director, Andrew Fisher. Hey, Andrew. Hello. Hey, everybody. And we've got visual design director, Evan Simonette. Hey. And founder and creative director of Earthborn Games, Andrew Navarro. Hi, Anders. Hey. Where is the where is all the banter today? We we lost we lost all of our banter. I wanted I wanted us all to be together when we bantered. Okay, all right. I, I was waiting <laughs> to see if Anders would get all our titles right, and then I was going to either give him crap or congratulate him. <laughs> and you got them all right. So <laughs> I tried to memorize the titles today. Yeah, we, we were talking f- before the show that that he, he was trying to memorize them all. Uh, it only it only took the, the second take, so we're, we're doing good. Yeah. I'm a two-take Charlie. Um, <laughs> we've got an exciting show. You guys excited? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're going to be talking work stuff. We got a cool uh, voicemail from a listener that we're going to get to, and it, he had a good question for us. Um, I'm not sure how he sent it to us. <laughs> it just popped into the inbox one day, but uh, our listeners are more savvy than us, I guess. Um <laughs> And we're going to talk sustainability again, talking about our lives, cool stuff. Um, well, should we start out talking work? We have some cool uh, stuff to share visually. So if you're not listening or watching us on YouTube, you might want to pop over over there because we're going to be trying some screen sharing today. Um, but first, let's talk to Fisher. What have you been doing lately? <laughs> At Earthborn HQ. In life, in, in work. Um, I just want work stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, like we talked about last podcast, last podcast we were gearing up to go to wave two of testing, and it, it has begun. Um, we, we had uh, a bit of a slow start just in uh, getting everything prepped, but once it was up to testers, we've had a bunch of people dive in. We have some really enthusiastic testers this wave, which has been pretty fun to, to chat with them. Um, so we've been working on a, uh, they've been kind of testing the initial parts of the campaign, kind of the learning experience of the game. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, they've been kind of playing around with our first couple missions. And one of those, uh, one of those missions is kind of one of the things we wanted to work on going into this wave of testing was kind of our intro experience. Um, people who might have checked out some of uh, what I talked about with kind of our first round of playtesting was we had a bit of a steep learning curve. Uh, there's a lot going on in the game and people trying to kind of figure it all out while also trying to complete a successful day. Um, it was it was a bit tricky for some of our new players. And so we wanted to create an experience that kind of staged them in and taught them uh, a bit about the game as we did it. And so as part of this wave of testing, we created what we call the prologue. And the prologue is this kind of intro sequence that uh, experienced players can skip if they want and just go directly into the game. But players who want to kind of introduce people uh, can play through this kind of scripted sequence that kind of helps them learn the game as they play through their first day. Uh, so uh, Andrew Navarro actually did a bunch of work on it. So Andrew, do you kind of want to talk about what the prologue does? <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, um, it just came through. I mean, I, I can't remember exactly how it came up, but uh, 
but you and I talked talked about this idea of um, you know slowly bringing players into the experience. Um, I think one of the challenges with this style of game is that uh, you're oftentimes just kind of thrown in the deep end when it comes to deck building um, before you start your you know your first scenario or whatever. You, in, you don't really get it, have a sense for how the game plays apart from what you've read in the rule book. Um, so it's really difficult to make any kind of meaningful decisions about what you're putting in your deck, um, except by just looking at the cards and like, well, that sounds cool. I'm just throwing it in there. Uh, but I was hoping to create something that was a little bit more, uh, a little bit more hands-on and that actually gave you at least some context for deck building um, before you started playing. And that, ultimately turned into a prologue that is itself a deck building exercise. So as you build a character or build a ranger in this game, you're selecting cards from different sets. Uh, there's the your background set, which is like what you what you did um, in your uh, early years. There's the special specialization set, which is what you've been doing like for your adult life. Uh, like your it is your specialization is the thing you're most skilled at. And then there is also your uh, the personality set, which are kind of these basic cards that uh, like just give you some good like foundational effects um, for your deck, and that allowed us to create a prologue where you start very simply by just building a deck of personality cards, um, and you play through around just using those cards. So it's like, it's the most dirt simple experience you could possibly have. And then after you finish that first round, then you go and then you, you add your uh, background cards and you play with those. And then lastly, you add your specialization and you, and you, and you play with those. And then by the end of it, uh, you'll have a complete deck that you can then start the campaign with, or you can decide, all right, well, I made these decisions as I was playing. I want to mix it up and do something a little bit different. Um, and you can make some changes there, kind of like uh, in, an, in an Elder Scrolls game where you make a bunch of character creation decisions. And then before you head out, it says, hey, are you sure this is the arrangement of things you want? And then it lets you go and change them. So it's the basic, same basic premise where, uh, you know, if you like what you built, you can keep running with it or you can uh, be like, OK, yeah, I get it. And then you can you can make a new character and then start the campaign. And I think one of the cool things was this kind of came out of two different exercises we did. There was kind of the um, playing around with how do we collaboratively build our ranger decks and doing some of those like drafting exercises. And then there was this question of how do we introduce new users to the game? And we had been kind of talking about them as two separate entities. And at a certain point, it kind of clicked that like we could probably do both at once and kind of interweave them into this narrative bit along with kind of narrative that helps kind of set the stage for the campaign overall. And it introduces Mm -hmm. you to the concept of the Rangers. And so it, I I think it's, I'm pretty excited about how it's come together. Yeah. It still uh, needs a little bit of work, but you know, that's why we're testing, but uh, I I think people have uh, liked it so far. Sounds great for someone like me, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I hit a wall sometimes when I try to learn a deck building game. I'm just like, okay, I've been playing this for a while and I don't know if what I've been choosing is good at all, you know? So that gets me excited for sure. And yes, uh, people have been liking it so far. I think almost all of our testers have chosen to kind of uh, 
uh, give it a try. Um, so I, I think so far it, it's been a pretty big success. And like we mentioned awesome. earlier, for experienced people or people returning to the campaign, we do have just kind of traditional deck building rules for people to just throw together some decks and dive into the campaign without kind of going through the more scripted like uh, tutorial-like experience. So uh, we have both options. Mm-hmm. I had a question for you guys. Uh, if we had some sort of robust character building system like Elder Scrolls, where we have all these transparent cards with like different ears and eyes and hairstyles <laughs> and you just overlay them. How much time would <laughs> players like spend creating their character and how thick would that be? Would it fit in a sleeve? You know, would you be able to see the character? Well, <laughs> my, my original vision for the game was a, uh, it came with stickers so you could, oh. uh, yeah, the, 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 the character card or the role, what has become the role card was, was blank. And it had uh, stickers you could add. But it wasn't like a paper doll type thing that you're describing. <laughs> but that'd be pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I do, like, uh, in the back of my mind, I, I, uh, I've been wanting to do this product that was essentially uh, just blank uh, roll cards so that people could either, you know, illustrate their own character or, you know, do whatever they want, um, use stickers or, you know, decorate it however they choose. Uh, ultimately I decided, uh, in the end that it was that having a, a, at least for the starting experience, being able to visualize, visually identify a role by its art and then know mechanically what it does is pretty important, especially for new players. Um, but as a fun add-on thing, or maybe even something that we like just put on our website yeah. as PDF, people can download and they can just yeah. you know, draw their well, character in it. I think that'd be pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. Maybe some sort of like character builder where I just illustrate a bunch of different yeah. <laughs> body parts and you can just drag yeah. and drop. Well, and then you we print make, your PDF out. <laughs> when we make our like our first like millions of dollars, then we can we can <laughs> put some money into doing an app that does it. But I was I was imagining pens and pencils. <laughs> we could also just start with different hood colors, you know, that's covering the entire face. So right, we don't have to right. put that much work into it and then slowly build. Yeah, just a dark hole there. Yeah. <laughs> Evan, I can see you having fun, like, making a character builder, though. I bet you're Yeah, oh my that. gosh, yeah, that'd be awesome. I'd love yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Do you guys get excited when there's a character builder? Uh, the beginning of a game starts with that. Oh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it depends. Yeah. It depends. Yeah. I've I've gotten less and less into it uh, as the years go. I was like, oh, I just want to just want to play. There's so many times you spend a bunch of time making a character and you never see them. So <laughs> it's I right. Think, yeah, you don't see their uh, face. Yeah, so I feel like I usually design like I've I've gotten to a point where I I stop I've stopped caring so much about the face in a lot of instances, and I just turn the character around and look at their butt. And like, all right, do I want to stare at this butt for the next 100 hours? Or do I want to do a different butt? Yeah, take, yeah. take that out of context. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm, I'm pretty into character creators myself. Um, I started my career working on tabletop role-playing games. So I really like the ability to kind of customize and personalize my character. Um, that being said, uh, I still remember uh, in Mass Effect, I spent all this time making my like custom shepherd, you know, like tweaking the face until I got it just right. And then there was something about the way it animated in game that it (laughs) just looked ridiculous, (laughs) like just a little inhuman. And the whole time I was just staring at it. Like I should have gone with the default shepherd. (laughs) It looked better. Can't change it. Like cyber, 
cyberpunk had like this intense character creation yeah tool right but then it was a first person game <laughs> yeah, you, only yeah. re- <laughs> you only really see yourself if you look in a mirror yeah, and right. you could like customize your pubic hair, but you're wearing like underwear the entire time. Like, what's <laughs> what's going on? Can't How go. are these creative decisions that are being made? How do I pull my trousers down? Yeah, I, I want to like, take a look. Yeah, yeah. I want to see that heart shape. <laughs> <crying out loud. laughs> um. So, Fisher, anything else going on? Sure oh matches. yeah, I mean plenty, but um. Uh, I, I won't. I won't get into the nitty gritty here, right? We, you know, like just kind of keep it high level for the podcast. We're we're <laughs> shipping out our next version to testers uh, on, on Friday, so I'm hard at work getting all of that uh, that going. We've been looking at a couple um, interesting changes to, uh, I guess one one kind of fun thing is we've been looking at a couple interesting changes to how we handle uh, journal entries. Um, and exactly how we link them from cards. We've been looking at the potential for kind of setting up the cards such that they can be more modular and we can potentially in the future kind of use and reuse character cards in lots of different contexts. So we're kind of working on how we link to journal entries, how how we use graphics to link to the journal entries from the card in a way that doesn't tie them specifically to one quest, but uh, mission but would allow you to kind of reuse that card and, you know, potentially make updates or, you know, seasonal events and stuff that we can just do by creating new journal entries and maybe distributing via PDF and then reusing people's same components and characters they know in the Valley for kind of new journal events and stuff. So there's a lot of cool potential there. We're still kind of working on it and making sure that it, um, the new graphic treatments, uh, work with the gameplay and don't interfere with the gameplay. And so we'll be kind of working with the testers to figure that out. But if we can kind of get it to click, I think there's a lot of potential there. So I'll chat about that in future weeks if we end up having success with it. Maybe we can show off the yeah. new design. I'm feeling good about it. Yeah, I, I, I think the the ability to make them kind of modular to any future content we want to make, and they're like playing pieces that um, can be used and reused in different stories. Uh, and it's honestly very, there's no like functional mechanical tweak. It's all just kind of presentation tweaks. Yeah. And uh, so I think the potential is just totally worth it. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, is is that something that's been done in other games? This kind of like, it, it feels like a like added content that you can kind of integrate in that way. I mean, well, I'm sure there's expansions and stuff for many games, but... Yeah, I mean, like, I think there's probably comparables you can draw to other games, right? Like, uh, playing pieces usually kind of run the gamut between specifically tailored for, you know, specific content or, you know, writing versus reusable, right? Like, a monster in Gloomhaven can be thrown into any number of scenarios, but, um, you know, there's certain pieces that are very scenario-specific, Um Similarly here, we're just hoping to kind of take them from that scenario-specific side of the spectrum and pull them a bit more into that reusable side of the spectrum. And uh, honestly, the more of our main game components we can pull that way, the more value people can get out of it over time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a good ex- a good example. If uh, you know, if anyone who's listening, you know, watched any of the Team Covenant live streams, um, you know, when they meet Artel the the fisher the fisher folk and you know artel wants you to take them t- across the lake fishing uh 
in a future scenario or a future product, you could have the interaction with Artel, then Artel might want you to do something else uh, entirely. Um, and I think uh, that that's the that's the thing that's like really exciting. I think about going in this direction, and I also think it opens up the possibility for industrious fans, players to do fan created content um, like really easily, uh, and that'd be really cool too. Sure would, yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing, Fisher. Have you said all you would like to say? <laughs> oh, I mean, like, I'm, I'm, I'm not done for the podcast, if that's what you mean. <laughs> okay, that's cool. I was going to ask you if you'd want to take <clears throat> off, but... Yeah, yeah just, uh, that's my um, update, I guess. <laughs> I did want to ask you, it, it looked like some people were finding us through this podcast to, to become playtesters. seems like there's a lot of excitement about that. Yeah, I mean, um, we've had... Uh, um, several different people reach out. Uh, we're not adding anybody now for wave two. We've kind of locked in the people we have for this wave, but we're going to be doing future waves, not only, you know, beta testing kind of the final presentation of the core set, but also for the expansions. So um, we're going to be doing ongoing play testing. So if people are interested in uh, helping out with play testing, uh, just reach out to us via our email and we'll get you added to the list um, for when we get there. Maybe I should do one of those. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to have you play You think I should know? <laughs> I should play the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. You don't have to play a test. You could just play it. Yeah, just play with There's you guys. Difference. Let's just play yeah. it on this podcast one sometime. That'd be kind of hmm. cool. <laughs> Tabletop simulator. Yeah, we yeah. should probably. We should probably. <laughs> no, and yeah, Andrew, no. Andrew likes it in person. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm. It's always better in person. I think if we were to do something like that, we could do like, you know, get together and try to do like an overhead cam or something. That would be. Let's do that down the line. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, yeah. A live stream would be fun. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk to Evan. How's it going? Oh, it's going good. Um, You're going to show us some stuff today. Oh, sure. Yeah. I can uh, circle back to the special you know, showcase of what's going on visually. Um, mm-hmm. But I did want to talk about uh, just some interesting developments with uh, how we kind of world build and how it relates to um, writing art briefs and stuff. Um, and uh, so I, part, as my role, a visual design director, I'm interacting with a lot of artists, interacting with you, actually, Anders, in an artistic capacity. Um, And I got to do a lot of, um, write a lot of art briefs and um, takes a lot of time. And I find myself trying to paint a picture for the artist to kind of take the, taking the ball and roll with it. And like, Mm -hmm. hopefully I provide an, uh, I paint a pretty enough picture where they can get inspired and, you know, start, sketching really easily and stuff but oftentimes um with our game and with the world and the setting we're in there's there's still a lot of undiscovered territory like relating to like technology uh what what exactly does technology look like in this world and i find myself running into these um forks in the road where when i'm writing an art brief describing like uh vera is a vera the boat guide or vera Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. So I just wrote uh art brief for Vera and I as I was describing her appearance I just wrote wrote in like she's looking at a 
like a wrist mounted device check that's that's tied to like sensors around white sky and it's providing her with detailed like weather information all this stuff like isn't may not be seen in the in the art piece itself but i feel like the more you cram in there the more it can like inspire artists um and uh so usually most of the time almost every time i think Andrew, you're able to look at these heart briefs. I think there's uh-huh. a few that Chris has done that mm-hmm. I didn't think you needed to I see. I've, 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 I've looked at them all. Did you? Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> As, some of them I just, I'm like, yep, that looks good. <laughs> <laughs> but there's so many. I feel like there's so many art briefs <clears throat> I've written so far that it, this, it's all blur. But anyways, um, it I think it provides, Andrew, you mentioned it provides you a good opportunity when you read these art briefs and you just read me kind of shooting from the hip. Uh on like what technology looks like and stuff. Um, it gives you an opportunity to just really settle on, on something. And then we end up talking about it. Um, yeah, yeah, no, I think uh, that's, that's one of the great things. Like, well, you know, you talking about their art briefs, I don't think really like people just to give you, to give people an idea of like what they are. They're like these little stories that, that Evan crafts Mm -hmm. and, uh, like you're you're a really good you're a great writer like i'd love to be able to like if, if you had if we could just you know duplicate you and you, you could do some writing too that'd be awesome <laughs> um but i i love reading the art because they're so evocative uh and sometimes they have like these little narratives with them that are really are really fun to read and it helps bring the world to life and you know like you said you you end up um exploring details of the world that we have not fleshed out yet and um, oftentimes details of the world uh, that are, are have just been in my head and uh, I haven't transcribed them at all. I've probably talked about them at some point. I wrote a random ass note somewhere. Um, but it's it's always a great opportunity for me to like really kind of examine uh, uh, examine my thoughts and uh, and then respond. So yeah, every once in a while, and I think in this last batch, there was a bunch of stuff that was like new that hasn't hadn't necessarily been covered in any of the lore documents. Um, so there's a little bit more to discuss, but yeah, like, uh, like the Vera thing was like a perfect example. I think in your art brief, you were, you mentioned something where, um, you're trying to like convey kind of her impatience and she was like looking at her at looking at her wrist in this kind of like universal sign of like, Oh, you know, it's, (laughs) there's, you're running out of time here. Um, and that uh, immediately, like, made me think, ah, yeah, I'd like to get away from that because, like, these people, they don't know what, like, watches are not a thing. And uh, even though it wasn't a watch, it was this other device, the the imagery is, like, the viewer is going to immediately associate that with a watch. So we started kind of just talking about uh, getting away from that. It's like, in my, in my perfect future world, there aren't, there are no clocks. Uh, and these people definitely don't care about clocks. Um, but I really, really like the idea that she had this device that, you know, she was using like sophisticated technology to essentially, you know, predict the weather, um, so that she could, you know, safely, you know, go out on her boat during the day and know how to prepare. Uh, so yeah, then we came up with a, I think ultimately, um, came up with a a pretty interesting, interesting idea, uh, through conversation. Evan, you want to talk about that? Yeah. So, um, it, we arrived at this idea with um, a very sophisticated information being conveyed through like more uh, analog kind of less tech looking means. Um, 
And because I, I think we just, we don't have to go into it, but we're trying to steer away from just digital digitized information in this world. It's just, it's kind of a thing that's been done a lot in a lot of settings, like digital displays or holographic displays and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, so we arrived at this uh, device (laughs) that almost, it's like a forearm mounted thing. I don't know if I'm going to describe this in a way that's super interesting to everyone, but I think (laughs) it's cool. Um, Andrew thinks it's cool. It's like a picture, like I like it picture kind of like an abacus on your forearm. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like mm. a bunch of abacus tracks, you know, that the beads are on. But mm-hmm. instead of beads, they're like cubes. And each cube side has like this like finely carved, painted, crafted like glyph or symbol that means something to Vera. And when she gets new weather updates and stuff, all these beads or cubes kind of spin, you know, like they're like those uh, airports that have that are f- updating you know those like yeah, yeah. flappy things uh-huh. yeah, uh, yeah, yeah it's kind of like that so she'll hear this this noise on her forearm and look at it and these these cubes will kind of line up in a in a unique sequence that that specifically means something to her in a cool way that's like analog and like it's kind of handcrafted like these this output is like has been carefully crafted like handmade and stuff like that and i think that's mm-hmm. I think that's the charm that we're trying to capture in all the technology in this in this game is like everything's made specific for a purpose. Nothing's like mass produced. Everything's made with care and and love and intention. So that's just kind of one way to convey it. Whether or not uh, the artist who actually works on Vera shows that, you know, <laughs> that remains to be seen. But at least it's there and it's part of part of the lore in our heads and mm-hmm. soon like on to be recorded uh, somewhere. So yeah, recording it right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's and it's not it's not. Please go ahead, Fisher. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say that uh, I think that's one really cool thing about um, t- talking about the art kind of informing the world building. Um, I think that's one of the cool things about working with such a small team. Um, on a project like this is we're able to be really reactive and collaborative about these kind of things. Um, we don't have like this strict pipeline where it's like, you know, uh, Sam writes the lore and defines the lore and then I design it and then we make the art for the card and that's it. And you don't deviate from the pipeline, but instead like, you know, we can kind of design a card, you know, we're like, all right, well, we're, we designed this thing around this concept of like a futuristic kind of like snare type trap. And then we can hand it over to Evan and then Evan works with artists to kind of think about what this would look like, you know, based on our knowledge about the setting, what, you know, what does this visually look like? How does this technology kind of function? And we might kind of discover or create new ideas about technology and Earthborn from kind of this exploration of the visuals. And then that can kind of cyclically inform you know maybe we tweak the design to work with some cool new ip thing we found maybe we'll write something about this technology that got invented just for the art and so all the all our kind of disciplines can feed into each other and really kind of work in harmony instead of having due to the efficiency the required efficiency of a large team um having to be rigidly in this pipeline we can be a lot more organic and so i think it allows us to create these things that where all the different sides of the game are kind of listening to each other a lot more actively mm-hmm. than in, in some other productions. That's the hope. Yeah. To- yeah. 
Totally. Yeah. I think, you know, well, we were looking at stuff, um, cause we were, we were doing a bunch of, uh, beings as well. Like some, some like new animals that we hadn't necessarily had before. Like ones that I just kind of made, made up <laughs> when I was going through and doing like a card edit. Um, and, uh, uh, I, you know, in addition to like, like, okay, what is, what does this thing actually look like in my mind? I'd also go back and reference, you know, the rules, um, and, try to make sure that we are conveying the theme of the mechanics as well, um, in certain circumstances. Um, and that was, that was really cool. Uh, just again, like you, like you said, like having all those things kind of speak to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, it's really fun to do. I, th- I think another, uh, cool example of how <clears throat> our different, uh, uh, aspects of this small team speak together is like, during our weekly meetings on Thursdays. Um, and last week in particular was really cool for me. Uh, I think for all of us, because we we're just in a Fisher's place talking about different aspects of the game. And the topic of the Swift came up that, um, the vehicle that can fly around and, uh, carry players throughout the game. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was in the vertical slice. Um, it, uh, is on, it's essentially a, a, a vehicle that's on top of Lone Tree Station, which is the the Ranger Station, that then you can in the in the vertical slice you could yeah. you could you know use that to fly to in, in you could use it to fly to any location, right, Fisher? Yeah, anywhere in the vertical slice. In the final game, it'll be a little more limited than that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, what was interesting, I, I had to ask Andrew what it looked like because I have to uh, pretty soon I'll have to be you know, writing an art brief for, um, topside mass, which is where the Swift is docked on top of Lone Tree. And, um, also it's going to be in the background on one of the cards, uh, as well. Um, so we got to talking about it and in my mind, I wasn't picturing like a slow moving airship, like a blimp or something. Um, and, or Andrew, you were initially thinking it's more aerodynamic, like a plane or a jet almost. Well, originally it was just, it was a glider. Okay. Uh, so yeah, my, my first, uh, my first concept of it is it's, it's almost, almost kind of looks like a, like a biplane. <laughs> it's very, <laughs> it's very, very simple. Um, and cause it was, the idea was you could go up there and you could ride it and fly it down somewhere, but then you'd had to hork it back up mm-hmm. to, to the station. So you couldn't fly it around. Uh, and then Joe did, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Joe did some, uh, some concepts of it as well. And his, his was more kind of like space agey. Uh, it's like a space, like a space plane. Um, it was pretty cool too. And they had like collapsible wings, I think. Yeah. Um, but then we got to talking. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you mentioned <laughs> how it'd be cool if it could just kind of vault into the air. I think you even mentioned grasshopper legs <laughs> and I didn't yeah. even expect that. I was like, wow, I, uh, this, this is, this ship is like something totally different. But the, the fact of the matter is like, we just are, ended up arriving on a really cool idea. And I was so inspired by it the next morning. I, instead of doing work that desperately needed to be done on my end, I just decided <laughs> to sketch up, um, what this thing might look like based on our conversation. I'll, I'll try to share that right now. Let's see here. Oh, so uh, <laughs> I don't know. Can you see it? Yeah. 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 Wow. So, yeah. So That's this is sick. like, uh, you know, a concept sketch, I guess. Um, uh, it's just like a small lightweight, thing with like andrew mentioned the grasshopper legs and it would vault into the air i think i have a sketch of yeah how it might lift off possibly 
and then like some gliders unfurl and mm. there's some sort of propulsion back there. But anyways, it, it just was really cool uh, to talk about. And it was pretty um, amazing to arrive at an idea that I totally didn't expect. Uh, but, and I didn't even think I'd like designing it until I started. So um, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's just kind of a fun thing. And I hope, I hope something like that, that the way it looks now, it shows up in the game in some capacity close to that because the way we arrived at it was cool. Will well, it be I think a 3D, you, you had that blender uh, image too. Do you want to share that? Oh or yeah. I So no? it's not really okay. ready yet. I, I, no? <laughs> I've been working on a 3D thing just so I can help visualize it in like a, from perspective uh, just because it has these kind of interesting angles that I just want to make sure I capture. Right. So um, I don't know, maybe, maybe sometime when I'm finished with it, I can share it, but. Okay. It had me wondering like how it's going to end up in the game as a card or a actual physical. Well, it could end up on a couple cards. It could, if, well, there's a look, no, it's a feature, a feature card called topside mast, uh, mm-hmm. which is on top of lone tree. And it could show up there like docked uh, on a platform, you know, uh, but it's also, it's going to be seen on a card. Uh, is it, Fisher, is it the card that you actually use to that represents the Swift? Um, I it's believe a, it's the pilot, right? Oh, yep. the pilot. That's right. Yeah, it's a, it's a human card. I believe it's Ben, right? Andrew, is that right? Ben Amon. Yeah, right now I think we're probably going to change the change that character since the you know, this is very this is very inside development. We're probably going to change that character to somebody else, but essentially, yeah, the, the it'll be the pilot of the Swift. Yeah. So so there's a you can either find the Swift. Um, up on top of Lone Tree Station, and uh, if you're lucky, board it and uh, take it for a little leap uh, several locations over. Over, Or while you're traveling out in the valley, you can come across the pilot of it who is out on a mission, and if you convince them to let you take it, you can uh, use it to get around inside the valley a, a little faster if you come across them on a mission. Um, and th- th- this is actually one of the the kind of cool bits of context behind, like, these different iterations we did on the Swift to come to this kind of like grasshoppery design is um, one of the things we wanted is from a gameplay perspective, we didn't want necessarily a airship that enabled the Rangers to just go anywhere, anytime. Um, uh, we wanted something that was a little more restricted and we wanted them to, you know, be able to use it to get around more conveniently in kind of these leaps, but we also didn't want them to, um. Uh. Yeah. We, we didn't want to ha- them to have just free range at the same time, so it needed to be this kind of limited resource. And so we knew we kind of wanted this thing that wasn't just free flying, and kind of building on Andrew's glider idea from the the earlier thing. That was it seemed like a natural fit if it's launching from topside mast. But if you're coming across <laughs> it out with you know you're coming across the pilot out inside the valley, how is this glider kind of getting up to altitude to to glide across the valley and that's kind of part of where you know how does this glider get up high we kind of started exploring different ideas and eventually landed on that design evan showed and so um i i think it kind of works really well for both the design and for creating kind of this unique sci-fi feeling vehicle and imposing restrictions on the design to like i think helped produce a really cool looking thing so um yeah that's it's a pretty cool thing we arrived at. Um, 
I want to know how does it build inertia, or how does it how does it get the energy to to collapse back? You know what I mean? Like, is it pulled down? Is it spring loaded? We don't have to worry about that right now. We'll <laughs> figure that out. <laughs> Come on, man! I want a hand in this thing. It's cool. Well, a lot of um, a, a lot of our technology um, uses kind of these like strange kind of suspensor field type things. Um, the adaptable multi-tool. I don't know if we've shared that art yet, but the adaptable multi-tool had this has this very cool design with kind of all these different suspended elements and i think we've seen evan we've seen that kind of explored elsewhere too right we this kind of like strange suspended technology yeah and actually it kind of informed our discussion about another vehicle or uh means of transport in the game too um but i'm trying to think specifically well i guess uh Oh boy, what's her name from the vertical slice? Uh, the little girl you're trying to rescue. Um, Quizzy. Yeah. Quizzy. Can I ask yeah. something really quick? You yeah. keep mentioning vertical slice. I don't know what that is. Oh yeah, do so the, the vertical the slice is, is okay. it is the demo that we provided to the um, Kickstarter backers. Uh, it's okay. The vertical slice is just a terminology we mostly borrowed from video game development, which basically if you can think about a game as like... Um, uh, the breadth of the game is all of the content. Have, have you finished all the content? And the verticality of the game is polish, right? From like your prototype all the way to your finished version. A vertical slice of the game is one little slice of the game that is polished vertically all the way polished to like a, a fairly end state. I, I wouldn't call necessarily our Kickstarter demo our end polish level, <laughs> but uh, polished way further than you would take that small amount of content, but only represents a small slice of your total content. And so it's basically designed to give people a demo of what the final experience may feel like without giving them the full final experience. Uh, and so that's the vertical slice is what we we let people check out during the Kickstarter. Awesome. I didn't know what that was either, Anders, and I never asked, and I just slowly <laughs> figured it out. I was too embarrassed. She was like, well, what are you talking about? Pizza or something? Yeah. <laughs> Which is funny, because I was in a more crucial role uh, attached to the vertical slice uh, than than you are just now. But uh, I was going to say, um, Quizzy has a uh, prosthetic hand with fingers. I don't know if you were able to see in the vertical slice demo on YouTube, but the fingers of her prosthetic hand are like... They're held in place to where her hand, the digits of her finger, her hand, were, um, by some force, and I don't know. It's it's a cool, cool imagery, I think. Mm-hmm. So I that's another that. example of that kind of levit, that suspended objects or whatever right. technology. Yeah, so it's very you, possible you guys... that the Swift. It's very possible that the Swift may operate using something similar to handle like yeah. its legs and its collapsible wings and everything else. Um, likely borrows some of that same technology. So let me get this straight. So in in the future, in the world of Earthborn, there's no gasoline. I assume electricity. I w- there's there's electricity, but not how we have it more like if you know if you've seen the prestige and they go mm. go and meet tesla and he's got all those glowing orbs right kind of just floating more yeah. like more like that you know like they're pull they can pull energy they can pull energy from 
around wireless the, transmission or something. Yeah, exactly. So there's this technology, and you guys aren't that concerned with uh, figuring out the science because nobody. Well, can there's enough that. theoretical science that I think could support pretty much anything. Um, but yeah. I think we we talked about it a little bit uh, during the campaign that uh, it's not. We are we are not what you would call a, a hard science fiction setting. It is more like a Star Trek style right. science fiction setting where there's just enough science there to sound credible. But when push comes to shove, we're going to do what's the cooler thing, both <laughs> yeah, visually yeah, yeah. and experientially, uh, and not really get too bogged down into uh, into the technical details. Well, and I, I love I, that. I, I think mm-hmm. that this plays to some of the kind of discussion of like the interdisciplinary creation right like world building isn't necessarily creating everything from certainly some people may create it all from first principles and then build up their world their ip around that um but for us a lot of like creating this setting is kind of approaching it from different angles so you know some parts of the setting may be kind of these conceptual ideas that we want to build the specifics of the setting around and others might be some little specific detail, a piece of design or a, you know, a piece of art that we then kind of figure out how we want to integrate that back in the setting. And like this suspended, uh, these kind of suspended elements in our technology is a good example of that, where this is kind of something that came out of the art and it started kind of being a pattern in our art and it's actually been kind of fun to, you know, uh, Evan mentioned our our Thursday afternoon kind of hangout, uh, hangout sessions, discussion sessions. Um, we've been talking about like this technology and how it might work and how it might be proliferated throughout the valley. And, you know, does it have links to kind of memory or intention or these the kind of like manifestations that that sh- shapers use a lot more intentionally? Does it relate to that? And so we can kind of like we're not approaching it from like this kind of first principle and building up instead of we're approaching it from the details and then building back down again. And so, you know, we're in the middle of that process still and like the world building is going to continue hopefully long past earthborn Rangers into other projects in this setting as well. So we're kind of in the middle of creation at the moment. Mm -hmm. And I think in the end it, it it creates a more uh, human and organic uh, product. You know, I, I can always feel that, when I'm experiencing art, you know, and I was going to say, Evan, just, um, you're talking about your art briefs and mm-hmm. I have one pulled up right here. Yeah. You because me. you're actually doing some art for us. Yeah. You, you, you're so kind to let me do some art. Oh and yeah. I'm learning. I'm learning. So I, I, well, I just want to say as a, as a recipient of your art direction, you're just, you're really good at it. Like what, what Andrew was saying, you write like little stories and paragraphs here. Um, just this one about the spider. Did you write that? Did yeah. Write yeah. And yeah. actually I stayed, I think I stayed on, on track with that one. There's other times with the V locks. I, I ended up just writing a mini story that didn't have, <laughs> that didn't help the illustrator at all. But that's, <laughs> that's, that's a different, that's, that's assigned to another artist. <laughs> <laughs> What's a V lock. Is there more? It's, it's like a, well, um, Andrew. Kind of, well, it, it started off as a fox, and then I've, ah. I I like you know looking up the scientific names of things, and then uh, pulling parts of those words out, and then turning them into the names of mm. the creatures. Um, 
So I think uh, Velox, uh, V-E-L-O-X, it was something I pulled from the, like the scientific name of, uh, of foxes. Um, but uh, ultimately, we were like trying to do like this kind of amalgam between like a greyhound and a and a fox. It's like this. <laughs> I found this pretty cool image of a black fox. It was pretty. It was pretty awesome. Um, mm. So imagine just putting putting those two things together, mm-hmm. um, and it's this kind of uh, blood bloodthirsty animal that lives in the tall grasses um, around in the valley. Uh, it's it's kind of it's it's it right now it holds a pretty unique spot mechanically in the game. It's like the 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 one um, the one being that has this mechanic called uh, this key, keyword called um, disconnected. So uh, when a, a ranger is injured, you cannot use the connect universal action on it. Um, it just wants to. It's just it's you know it's got blood <laughs> in its in its nostrils and <laughs> and just wants to eat you. Uh, so uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's a, it's a pretty cool. I'm I'm really really looking forward to seeing it come to life. Um, mm-hmm. I can I can see it really well in my in my imagination. And, you know, largely you know just because of the uh, conversation that Evan and I had before we even started talking about what it was. It's just kind of like this. It's like yeah, it's kind of like a weird fox thing in my mind. But then mm-hmm. as we as we have to hone something to get it to an artist, then it you know kind of forces us to settle on forces me to settle on on details. Mm-hmm. And that's that's kind of how we arrived at your the piece you're doing, um, which we ended up looking at together yesterday, and it was we were both wowed by, it and it looks awesome, and I can't wait to um, see it on the card and uh, oh, me too, see it yeah, in play in action for sure. I mean, like you were just saying, Andrew, you know, you could just write, you could just tell the artist like, cool fox, black, looks like a greyhound, kind of, but but you know, I think it it speaks to this whole idea of creating together the way you know evan delivered me this really awesome little like short story i thought it was done by the writer or something you guys have. <laughs> but um he's our secret writer <laughs> it totally yeah it totally got my imagination going though you know just briefly it's like it's like from the perspective of the the player or the one of the rangers i guess like it says uh Rounding a narrow corridor within a twisting ravine, the party is met. You don't have though. to read it. That's fine. I'm not going to read the whole. <laughs> I'll read it. I'll read it. No, I'll read it. Because Do it. You're, you're all making it sound like it's super good, but it's not that good. <laughs> Come on, man. Where's your self confidence? We're trying to bo- boost you up here. We were not. We've taken up too much time with this segment, anyways. We're not blowing smoke. No, I was. I loved this. Steeped in shadows, just above their heads, an enormous apillion. Mm-hmm. Apillion spider is busy at work. Panicked, having spun only a meager shred of its gossamer silk. Evan, are you embarrassed? <laughs> no, I love it. Just get it over with. <laughs> the beginnings of what the beginnings of what will become an infamous web wall. The enormous creature freezes. Without a completed web to ensure that ensnare the intruders, it rears back instinctively. Threatened and exposed, its fanged maw issues a series of discordant clicks as its long spindly limbs tense. Compound eyes twinkle in the gloom as the creature calculates this unexpected encounter. Without so much of a quiver, the spider balances on the precipice of a decision. Escape into the surrounding darkness or tear the intruders limb from limb. That was just the prologue. There's five chapters after that. <laughs> <laughs> Act one of the art description. <laughs> oh, oh, you got the sound cord. Yeah, nice. <laughs> There we go. 
By the way, we have a soundboard here. Uh, if you're wondering what that cheering was, <laughs> anyway, it, it's cool. It's just I thought it was really cool how you you insert these little visual details, but also kind of like inspire me. Uh, you know, it, it really yeah, it got well, me cool. going. Well, it, it's fun, and so it's it works out that it's inspiring you. So that's cool. Because you've done, I know you've told me you've done a lot of writing in your past, didn't you? Yeah, just for fun. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think almost everyone does. Not who's me. creative. They do some writing <laughs> here and there. So, right. So modest. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's been fun working with you, though. Cool. I love it. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. Well, we spent enough time on you, Evan. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you want. To. <laughs> Evan's talk, like, go to somebody talk ta- else. <laughs> let's talk. I think I think everybody wants to talk about taxes. Oh yeah, <laughs> everyone wants to. <laughs> Yeah, that's hey. what I've been. That's what I've been doing this past this past week. Uh, yeah, tell me more. Oh, I'm almost done. Well, this is the, <laughs> the so you know part of having a business is there's taxes. Yeah. So I'm <laughs> uh, preparing <laughs> preparing for taxes for the first time, um, and it's mostly just uh, reconciling like all the line items and, and expenses and things for the past past year, and and it actually goes back to the like the founding of the company because you know I, I tried to file last year but the tax person was like well you're not you haven't gotten any money yet so you can't do that I'm like okay well i'll just wait then <laughs> uh, so uh so yeah i've been spending a lot of time in uh in accounting software um reconciling line items that's that's been that's been what i've been doing the past several days andrew i love the- how how last week it was it was credit card issues and this week it's taxes yeah and and you're the guy you're the guy this this is your baby this is your dream (laughs) well i know well you know it's not like i have i spend like every hour of the day doing it you know like because meet with evan and meet with fisher like there are there are fun things to do um uh, we've talked about all the cool stuff you've you've been doing yeah yeah but uh yeah then i have to go back and you know get this stuff done but i'm almost done I'm almost done. I wanted to get it done last week. Didn't get didn't get there, but it's very, very, very close. So uh, that's that's very exciting. And then once that's done, then I have other things to do. But <laughs> I'm hopeful <laughs> to get to uh, playtesting uh, this week, or if not this week, this weekend. Um, uh, on Saturday, I uh, cut up and sleeved my... Uh, the new cards for the uh, for the new version of the game. Hopefully, they won't be all obsolete by the time the next version pushes. <laughs> oh no! I mean, I am updating uh, Friday, but uh, you know, we'll see. I have a change yeah. log. You, you can check out the change log. Okay. All right. All right. So, uh, so you know, I have to, and I went and just updated the rest of my old uh, my old printout from the previous version. Just did that by hand. Um, but yeah, it was pretty cool. Like when I kind of had my stack of papers that i got from when i was at, at fisher's to see he was kind enough to print it all out for me um i just kind of put it all on the table and then like the the sheets of paper with the cards on them kind of slid out of the way and then i saw the campaign record sheet and i got this like immediate like charge of excitement <laughs> um when i saw that i was like oh awesome and it was it was it was different from the excitement that I get like when I'm, you know, we're just, when we're talking about like game design or like art or whatever, like we're it's part of the creative process. This was purely from a fan perspective where I was just ex- like genuinely super excited to sit down and, and start, start playing the game and start filling out that sheet. So that was pretty cool. It was a nice mm. little, nice little surprise. Uh, and I think that's a good sign. 
Um, Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so that, that's pretty awesome. Um, yeah, apart from that, uh, we did, we got a, uh, uh, voicemail that I think that I think I could answer. Um, yeah, we got like a- you mentioned at the top, I, like, I wish I knew how you could do this. If you just go to riverside.fm and think it came through Spotify. Or... Oh, really? You can like <laughs> send audio feedback on Spotify. I, I have a feeling that's where it came from. Wild. N- none of us go- took the time to Google it. Apparently. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure um, it'd be easy <laughs> enough to figure out. <laughs> Cameron, Cameron, y- you gotta like get on the YouTube comments or, you know, get in touch <laughs> with us. Tell us how you sent us this question so that we can have other people <laughs> send us questions. <laughs> yeah. Or or send us questions at info at earthborngames.com. Yeah, that also works. You could be on the Discord uh, too. There's a Discord. Find the Discord, everybody. Um but let's listen to this uh really nice uh message from Cameron. G'day Anders in the Earthborn team. As a backer of the game in Australia, I'm really enjoying the podcast and a sneak peek at what you're working on, in addition to the periodic Kickstarter updates. I thoroughly enjoy Akamara LCG and was really motivated back because of the world building in Earthborn Rangers. I feel it's a game that I really want to play with my daughter when she's old enough. After all, not every interaction needs to be kill. Following on from episode one, I have hesitations about the pewter miniatures available as an add-on. My concern is that should I purchase these four minis, there's a chance that you'll create new sculpts for the next Earthborn expansion. Aside from your requirement to source enough material to create them, I wasn't sure that four models for each expansion is something I want to buy into, partially from a cost, partially from a storage perspective. I appreciate the game is still in development, so can you share any design thoughts on the creation of pewter minis beyond the current Earthborn Rangers core set? Kind regards, Cameron. Thanks for your call, Cameron. Andrew? Yeah, that was great. Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll speak to his, the the first thing he mentioned was the raw materials. So that was something I did ask our manufacturer. Um, you know, like, what do we have limitations? Like, how how many miniatures can we actually do before we run out of this reclaimed pewter? And uh, he was like, "You have nothing to worry about. I've made deals with thirteen different." Uh, <laughs> I forget what the, what the name of like what the the facility is called that works with metal foundries i don't know but he he has he's made deals with people to get all of their all of their scrap pewter where we're going to be swimming in pewter for a long time so um uh title for the, this episode yeah swimming in pewter <laughs> no, we're gonna do another uh, another pewter episode um, be pewter okay <laughs> um uh so so yeah, so from that perspective, uh, we're definitely in the clear to do to do more. So we're not uh, we're not really limited by that. Um, I'm, and I assume you know, they'll you know they they're those businesses are continuing to make things. They'll continue to make scrap. I think we'll have you know plenty. Um, you know, barring some massive influx of orders for for pewter miniatures. Um, to the question about you know what our plans are, um, we definitely want to do more. Um, whether or not they coincide with uh, the release of every expansion, I think is uh, is very much up in the air. But um, uh, yeah, we would like to do we would like to do more of them. I think I'd like to do more for like essentially a, a miniature for each role that we do. I think would be really cool because I just like I love seeing those uh, those designs come to life. Um, and as you know, as far as the concern of you know the investments or the storage, uh, I would 
I, I'd say the same thing I said, you know, during the campaign too, when it comes to the add-ons is that, you know, just remember that they're all optional. Like there's, there's nothing compelling anyone to purchase any of these add-ons. Like if they don't, like, if you don't, feel like you can afford a playmat don't feel like you're being forced to buy by a playmat same thing with the miniatures if don't feel like you need to buy the miniatures just because they exist if you if you don't want them don't buy them it's totally cool you don't need them um uh so yeah so i, I last thing i want to do is stress anyone out who's like you know like oh I, they release these things so that means i have to buy mm-hmm. them you don't you, you can you can resist um, <laughs> you're gonna get an amazing experience with the base game yeah you, the cards are all you need uh and you know like so um yeah obviously i appreciate everyone's support who's you know who's gone in and gotten add-ons who's bought play mats who are who's purchased miniatures and the pledge manager it's awesome it goes a long way toward supporting us um like your guys is the, the pledges that come in that came in through the kickstarter and the ple- and the additional funds that come in through the pledge manager are what keep us going it'll let us do our job so um uh you know that's largely you know like our motivation um when it comes to like creating add-ons like we want to do stuff stuff that's cool but we also want to do stuff that that's appealing to people so that you know we can continue to work on this project um so, uh, and, you know, with the miniatures, like we talked about last episode, uh, you know, all of us enjoy them. So it, if there's an opportunity for us to create like a 3d representation of the designs that Evan's working on, uh, I really want to take that opportunity, uh, cause I want them. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> that's what it's all about. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, it, it's, it's, I, I can't wait. Um, and, uh, the update on that, we should, we should be getting, uh, samples soon. So we just, we finally settled on the, on the revisions to the, um, to the last round of, uh, of, of, uh, STLs that we got. Um, so yeah, I think hopefully maybe the next couple of weeks we might, we might have some, that'd be so, pretty awesome. So stay cool. tuned to this podcast. Might get a sneak peek. Yeah, yo, yeah, definitely. I'll def- well, definitely show it on this podcast when we get it. Um, so yeah, Cameron, I don't know if that makes you feel any better, um, but you know, I, I, I don't want you to be distressed about it. Um, so if you know, if you don't, if you don't want to spend the money or you don't have a place to put them, then you know, please don't sweat it. Um, it's not, it's not, the, it's not a big deal. You will not be, you will not be uh, shorted the experience at all by not having those miniatures. You could use a miniature that you already own if you wanted a miniature. You don't need a miniature at all. Like I use, like in playtesting, we use little meeples. Uh, they work just fine. So, um, uh, those are so little yeah. cotton balls with eyeballs, googly eyes on them? No, like little wooden guys. <laughs> like little, like a little wooden, you know, T-pose dude. Yeah, meeple. Yeah, you, you ever heard the term meeple? I love it. I love it that you've not heard the term It's meeple. such a ubiquitous like term in the, board games industry yeah essentially uh, any any wooden any wooden component that represents a uh like a being like a human uh uh, or an animal or whatever you just call you call those meeples fish are you looking them up right now i i was just looking up the the etymology of of meeple because i didn't actually yeah um what is it it's apparently is it it documented it's apparently a blend of my and people, my it's people. a meeple. <laughs> okay, like my pe- like these are my people. Like you're playing Carcassonne. Like these are my these are my people. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. My yep. meeple. <laughs> it, it, it actually, at first used with reference to the board Mercen? game Carcassonne. Hey! Yeah. That was a, just a cool. random poll there. That's just a coincidence? Wow. Yeah. Well, I think Carcassonne's a classic. I want to know what these puffball things are, because I that re- reminded me of something from my <laughs> no, distant past. Yes, 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 yes. Did you ever do, like, a fundraiser in high school or so I did, school? like, a, a Boy Scouts thing that where I saw those things years and years ago. I think they're, what are they called? Whip Weeples? I think called Maybe weeples. it's a Weeple, yeah. Just little, like, you've seen them, like, little colorful cotton ball with little googly <laughs> yeah. eyes on them. That, that's, what, that's how they inspired us children to go door-to-door on our own selling stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you we just, get a little cotton ball. You just dragged <laughs> up a memory from, like, fifth grade that I yeah. didn't know I had. <laughs> I remember those things. And they were all, like, super cool, you know, and you stuck them to things. Yeah, yeah you stuck them to things, yeah. Uh, oh, man. Boy, they selling, really played us, didn't they? I know, selling like tub, tubs of like processed cheddar cheese for like twenty dollars to our unsuspecting neighbors. Yeah, you want to talk about <laughs> Good something, times. That's, something that's in a landfill now? Every people or whatever those were. Yeah, hey, yeah. Uh, please leave us a message if you remember what those things are called. I think it was Weeple, something like Weeple. <clears throat> um, let's move on to sustainability chat. Yeah. I was going to say, talking, your, speaking of landfills. <laughs> yeah, you got, you got your hands on some of those flesh and blood uh, cardboard packs, or what are they? Let's take a look at Yeah, them. these paper packs. So I, uh, I went to the, uh, the game store near my, near my place that I mentioned last time um, and, uh, and picked this up. Uh, I was originally just going to get some packs. Like that was my, that was my intention. I went there like, I'm just going to get a couple packs and just, you know, see. (laughs) And when I got there, I looked in the glass case where their, where their flesh and blood stuff was. I was like, Oh, did you guys, did you guys, you know, and I asked the cashier, I was like, Hey, did you guys get uh, any of that, that Everfest? And he's like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we have, we have a few boxes left. I'm like, okay, cool. Um, I was like, well, can I, uh, can I have a, a couple packs? And he's then he kind of looked at me like, I don't know, <laughs> like I was like I was there, like, what did you say? A couple <laughs> packs? Are you crazy? So, uh, so then he goes and talks to the his the, the manager, I think, or the guy who owns the place, and uh, he's like, yeah, do, or, he's like, are we gonna open up any of these boxes? And he's like, oh yeah, sorry, bro, like we're we're we uh you know everyone who pre-ordered them um pre-ordered a box just ended up buying a case. We only have three boxes left, so uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't even think of opening them. <laughs> so, wow! I was like, "Oh, this is the world we're in now. Like, <laughs> you don't even buy booster packs anymore. Like, that's not like how dare you suggest that I buy a single booster pack or a handful of booster packs?" So I was but like, does that "All go right, for every game <laughs> goes for this game." And I, and after doing game. this, I can mm-hmm. see why. Um, but uh, so I was like, "All right, you know, just give me." A, give me the box. So I got a box. Um, and it was, you know, it was fun. Um, so I, I already like, uh, recycled a few of these packs. Um, but they're, uh, they're really nice. And actually I felt the, uh, the, the sensation in the sound of opening up these packs was, I think superior to the plastic packs. Mm. Um, yeah, it has a real nice, yeah, like that's a nice sound. I love um, that. Do it again. Uh, <laughs> our, our sustainable ASMR. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so um, yeah, so they're they're pretty cool, and I did a little uh, experiment just to just to kind of like test. Uh, it's not a super scientific experiment, but just to kind of like test like how well this stuff breaks down. So I have a, a one of these packs just kind of sitting in a glass of water, slowly decaying. Because mm. um, <laughs> I was really curious because it has this uh, it has a sheen to it. Um, so I was immediately starting to wonder like, okay, is this actually like how recyclable is this? Um, and uh, I was wondering because it, it kind of has a sort of semi-gloss mattish finish which to me like indicates it might be a like a dispersion coating which is a like a water-based coating which still has a little bit of plastic in it but 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 it it's not as much as like a uv coat um so i was wondering if that was what was up and i was also really curious about the recyclability of the uh of this metallic ink uh that um is used on both the top and bottom seam and then in the middle seam uh, where you can't even really see it, there's like this, you know, silver metallic ink that's on the, the, the on the interior, um, mm. and uh, I was really curious, like how recyclable that 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 metallic ink is. So I did a little bit of inter- internet research on it. Not super conclusive. Like all the the research I saw on it were sponsored. Like there's like a metallic ink like society or something like it like a like a professional group that is like hey we make metallic inks and we're going to commission this thing to talk about how recyclable they are um and what do you know they came out that they're fine um <laughs> but uh, i was really curious because um there the metallic ink is used on the top and the bottom where there's this kind of like this pressed uh like adhesion where it's like clearly like melted to stay closed and um got me thinking that it's entirely possible that they needed to use the metallic ink there in order to create that bond. Um, mm. uh, I'm really, I'd be, I'd be really curious to uh, pick the brain of the manufacturer and find out if that's the conclusion they came to that they needed that there. So I was curious if this had a little bit more acrylic in it uh, because acrylic is plastic, you know, it'd melt easy and press easily. And if that was like integral to, um, uh, to the process so they could actually create these packs. Um, so yeah, it's 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 certainly I'm definitely like very interested in finding out more information on how they how they did this and you know ultimately like how recyclable it is. Um, so metallic inks, like all inks, when you recycle paper, uh, at least according to the study, um, <laughs> are uh, removed during the process of de-inking. And uh, de-inking is a uh, is a there's a couple processes for for de-inking, but it's a it's a big component of recycled of recycling paper, especially like post consumer waste, um, where more or less the the paper is just like washed of ink, and they use chemicals uh, to do that. And during that same process, that's when any kind of plastics that are kind of adhering to the paper will also kind of get sloughed off. Um, and then ultimately, at the end of that process, you have uh, the the slurry of of paper fibers, and then you have this sludge that is the plastic and the ink and all the other stuff, um, and that stuff gets gathered up and then dumped in a landfill, and then the pulp, whatever's left, and then gets recycled. So um, so yeah, I'm curious like how much paper you actually get. I mean, how much fiber you actually get out of this thing once because it's very very mm-hmm. thin. And it's got coatings on the front and back. All that stuff will be sloughed off. Um, so I don't really know how much paper is left uh, when it's all said and done. 
Um, but uh, yeah, it, it, I, there was an interview on ICV2 with the uh, CEO of Legend Story Studios, and he said they're completely recyclable. Um, and I, I assume, you know, they it sounded like he really did his due diligence on it. They've been working on it for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, so yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful it is, you know, relatively recyclable. Uh, but when it comes down to it, you know, one of the things I learned, uh, I worked with a, a group of students at the University of Illinois uh, this past fall who uh, have a sustainability program. And uh, I met with them every, every other week and asked them all sorts of questions. And they did a bunch of research on my behalf. And uh, I asked them to, you know, like really look into recycling and, you know, what kinds of things prevent paper recycling or like, how does that process even work at the recycling center? And uh, it was pretty interesting, like hearing about how at least the the recycling centers that they spoke to humans, um, their process for determining, you know, whether or not a piece of paper is recyclable isn't isn't terribly sophisticated. Uh, it's just they hold up the paper and they're like, this feels recyclable or this looks recyclable and then they'll put it in the recycling. But if it, if it looks like it's not, they'll, they'll throw it in the trash. Mm. Um, so yeah, anything that's like, you know, like super thick coated, like super shiny, like none of that's, none of that's recyclable. Um, Freezer stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anything that has like that, like super high gloss coating on it. Um, Mm -hmm. it's like, it's more, it's more plastic than paper. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, um, what I have gathered, I feel like, um, you know, those things could end up in the recycling apparatus, but, uh, as the, like the water and the, the mash kind of like gets heated up, all the sticky stuff gets kind of like gummed up in the, in the works and can like, you know, cause problems with machines and stuff, I assume. Mm. Um, so I think they try to limit the amount of plastic that gets dumped in. Cause I think probably technically you could probably melt off all the plastic, but I'm sure there's some kind of like safe, effective threshold. If there's anyone who's listening who's like in the recycling industry, I'd love love to hear your your take on it. Um, Have you on? But uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah. So like it, ultimately, you know, they're recyclable. But I think it's important to just remember that you know when things are recycled, obviously recycling is good. Recycling paper is especially good. Uh, in doing a little bit more research about like the history of recycling, I learned that, you know, it's, it's only like, we've only been like using paper for, uh, like wood for paper for like a little under 200 years. Like before that, like everything that was printed was done with recycled material, which was crazy, like mm. recycled linen and, and rags and stuff that they then kind of like mash up and turn into sheets. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, Nowadays, you know, a lot of like a good portion of the paper that we see and we use is uh, is recycled. So that's um, that's pretty awesome. But there's always some component of it that w- that will end up in the landfill. Um, but it's better than nothing. Well, right. be neat if they I could re- reclaim the acrylic slurry for plastic well, minis. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, so like, there's like, it's crazy, man. Like there's like, there's stuff that I was reading that was like, uh, there's some like legacy chemicals that are just like continually like perpetuated through recycle, like recycling, recycled things where they're like, there are chemicals that were essentially banned from use, like in the late seventies that are still in circulation today. Uh, (laughs) 
because mm. <laughs> the paper just keeps getting reused, uh, which is fascinating. Oh. And they're like, yeah, like the article I was reading said like there could be like over 10,000 different like chemical components like that are non-paper inside recycled paper. Yikes. Uh, well, yeah, just imagine like you just you throw all of the stuff into a big vat. <laughs> and like the inks have chemicals in them, you know, like the coatings have chemicals, uh, you know, whatever horrible thing was wrapped in that newspaper before they <laughs> threw it in the recycling and had chemicals on it. So yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting, um, uh, how that stuff can like continue to persist through the years, uh, through like, you know, actually a very good thing in recycling, um, but these chemicals stick around. I don't know how horrible they are or yeah. <laughs> if they're like at toxic levels or anything. We're fine. Uh, yeah, just, yeah, I'm sure we're fine. Best not to think about it. <laughs> well, we should think about it, Evan. <laughs> it's important to think about it. Not thinking about it is how we got in this mess in the first place. <laughs> that we advise against eating your recycled paper. Yeah, you should not <laughs> eat paper anyway. <laughs> just don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah, so that's uh, I think that's the uh, that's my that's my recycling corner. That's my uh, sustainability corner for today. I love it. I, I think about recycling all the time. Have you ever been to a recycling plant? I haven't. I have. Have you? How is it? Well, I I worked as a laborer for St. Paul Schools uh, one summer, and we brought uh, big like pallets of boxes that of books that no one read anymore <laughs> to eureka recycling it felt like i was taking part in uh what's that book uh fahrenheit 451 fahrenheit, yeah thank you thank you fahrenheit 451 <laughs> i thought i was i thought they're gonna put a flamethrower in my hand and torch all these <laughs> piers anthony books that i saw <laughs> i did take some of them though oh yeah nice yep. <laughs> so they um, just put them into a chemical vat I don't know what. Well, we just dropped them off. I don't know what they did with them after that, but yeah, I just think about whenever I put anything in the recycling, I always just think about the person. Like, is there are there people there? Like, ah, oh, this guy didn't rinse out this jar good enough. I guess. This yeah, I think about that too. Like peanut butter jars. Like, I think I don't do a very good job with garbage those. when it's there. Yeah, yeah. I think it, it. At least you know, talking to those students, it sounded like because uh, when when I heard that, like I was like, really? They just do it by hand? That seems really inefficient like and crazy uh i was like could we talk to like an industry leader and see what they do and i think and I, they ultimately did and i and i feel like your mileage really just varies on the operation like some places are probably more sophisticated than than others right i did hear once not to uh throw put the uh the top of the tin can or the aluminum can into the recycling because they cut their hands on them oh They're sorting them so just oh man away, i always I do that me do too that. Yeah. This is just, I just heard that through the grapevine. Yeah, you should wear gloves, I think, if you're working at a recycling center. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's no true. Seems like that's true. Idea. I feel like you could get, that wouldn't be able to cut through. Yeah, you get stabbed of... by all sorts of things. <laughs> oh my God. Sounds like a great job though. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's talk about what we're, what we're into these days. Yeah, let's, let's do that... it. Let's, let's wind it down with some, uh, with some fun times. Fun times. <laughs> I do enjoy this part of the show. Although this week... I was quite busy with my little baby and doing the uh, the spider piece, um, but I was playing Super Mario Odyssey. Have you guys yes. ever played that? Yes, I played that. Oh, yeah. Playing it for the second time. Evan, you've never played it. Mm-mm. 
Hmm. I, th- I I think it's my favorite video game of all time. Oh, wow. wow. It's just a perfect video game. It's a perfect piece of art for me. It's um it's surprising like every 30 seconds like a new wild thing is introduced, <laughs> a new gameplay mechanic, a interesting uh enemy that you can throw your hat at and inhabit. It's just it's such a good game for someone like me that has a really short attention span. Um, it's just super creative, fun, feels so good. You know, they talk about how when they, when they uh, were uh, developing Mario 64, they just spent months and months, maybe years, just making sure that Mario could like felt fun to like jump around with. Mm-hmm. So it was just like a blank room and Mario running around and uh, yeah, same goes for this game. Cool. Anyway. Yeah. So are you oh, able yeah, to do are you able to do all the hat tricks where you like throw it and jump and reset and jump again to get like that, mm-hmm. you know, halfway across the level in the sky? Can you do all those fancy tricks? Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> I love nice. doing that. Um collecting all the moons and then unlocking the secret super hard dark side of the moon levels and stuff like that. Did you guys Whoa. get that far? Yeah, yeah, that's where I kind of that's where I kind of fell off. Once those levels became too difficult, I was like, "Oh man, I don't." That's when I really hopped on. Actually. Oh yeah, you're into that. You're into like hardcore platformers. Oh yeah, yeah. That's okay. my that's my that's my jam. Nice. I the, say. Uh-huh. The, the the dark side of the moon level uh, it rivals Bloodborne for tempting me to throw my controller across the room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those kind of games are different though for me, like the Bloodborns and stuff. That's more like memorizing right mm-hmm. memorization and just super brutal deaths i feel like you know mario's pretty light and fun i can get into that except when you keep falling in the same spot over and over again i know <laughs> actually you know i know now that it, now that i have less time I'm, I'm i guess i'm not into it but back in the day before i had a child i could spend hours just redoing that spot until i got it it feels so good when you finally get it yeah yeah I respect um, your discipline. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And uh, I got a mechanical keyboard. <laughs> Ooh, nice. And, uh, yeah. It's one of those things where maybe two years ago, I got obsessed with like YouTube videos about mechanical keyboards <laughs> for no reason whatsoever. Did not care about typing, did not care about keyboards, but I just coveted one so bad. <laughs> I was like, ah, uh, $100 for a stupid computer keyboard no way anyway my mom was like what do you want for your birthday last week and i said nice. ah now's the time what kind of set what kind of switches, switches did you get yeah uh gatoron gatoron oh yeah brown brown, brown switches okay yeah, the, here's, the here's linears the bad boy right here Ooh, yeah look at that oh, this listen, all that, listen to all that terminology <laughs> Ooh, yeah, yeah. oh let it asmr this episode Mm. Oh, that's, that's nice. pretty good. That's that's I a pretty good the, thought. Did you did, <laughs> did did you lube the stabilizers and everything? I didn't lube it. No, oh. it came. It came. That sounds like a. Uh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I watch the videos of people, you know, lubing up their little switches and stuff. That's like one step into uh, weird territory for me. But yeah, I just I I didn't even hook it up to my computer. I just sat at the table and was just clicking away <laughs> Ty- typing stories 
Can you hook it up to your phone and text with it? I think you probably could, yeah. Wow, that's that's a cool idea. (laughs) Anyway, that's my joy for the week. Nice. Who wants to go next? Uh, Who's who's the most excited? Yeah. I I can talk about... um, I've been playing some video games and stuff, but uh, I I thought it would be fun to to talk about this week was... um, uh, well, uh, Valentine's Day w- was Monday as of our, our recording, and my, my partner Sam and I really like to play like kind of escape room games together. So for Valentine's our, our Valentine's night date night, we um, got from our friend a subscription to the Curious Correspondence Club, I think it's called, um, and basically they send you like these little kits in the mail, and they're kind of like an escape room in an envelope, and so. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of very clever little design they do where, you know, they tell you a story and then you get all these components that are all kind of made out of paper or like tag board type cardstock. Um, And then they kind of create this like escape room style puzzle solving experience that takes about about an hour or so. Um, And so we, we did a couple of the the curious correspondence club. That's kind of hard to say three times fast (laughs) Um, (laughs) on Monday night. Uh, And they, they were pretty cool. It's. They're, um, they definitely range in quality month to month, I would say. Like we had kind of one so-so envelope, but then the last one we did on Monday night was just like excellent. It had like Mm. five different puzzles that you could all be doing concurrently. So, you know, like Sam would be kind of working on her thing. I would be working on my thing. And then we kind of come together and then use our answers together to solve a third, like a, a different puzzle. And it was like, you could totally see how, even if you had like, three or four people around the table, you could kind of split up everything and all be working at the same time, which is one of the things with like some of the other kind of escape room in a box type board games, like the exit games and such that sometimes they really didn't have. There's like one critical path. And if you have that many people, you're a little, some people are a little bored. Um, Mm. So overall, I was pretty impressed with them. They were, they were, they were pretty fun. Cool. I'm, I'm surprised by that. I it doesn't sound fun to me. I think I need to try it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's not for everyone. <laughs> I, it, I, it's uh, interesting. As a uh, welcome aboard gift, um, uh, our accountant sent me one of those uh, in the mail uh, right before Christmas, um, and I got it. And I was like, man, I'm, I'm terrible at these things. I'm 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 abysmal at at riddles. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, immediately I was like, man, I don't, even, I don't know. I'll, maybe, maybe I'll ask the, my son if, if he wants to do it. So I I, uh, I went down and, and uh, talked to my son, Sebastian, and he was like, oh, he's like, oh, yeah, let's do this. And like his enthusiasm got me excited. And I just kind of like I was like, all right, well, I got to do some work. You take a look at this and then then tell me what you think. And then we'll then we'll work on it together. So, yeah, he did like a, he like researched a bunch of stuff on it and then brought it up. And we spent like uh, the afternoon solving it together but it was pretty cool yeah i i was i was pleasantly surprised uh by the experience it was it was a lot of fun um and it had like ultimately it had a uh so maybe it was a little bit more um component heavy than than what that company does fisher um but it had like a padlock on it uh with like a combination lock and you had to solve solve the riddles to open the padlock Mm. Um, and that was, that was pretty cool. And it felt really good to, to, to see all the pieces come together and figure it out. So yeah, after I got over my initial kind of like, eh, I'm bad at these, 
my son pulled me through and uh, we had a lot of fun doing it together. See, I, I have slightly the opposite effect. Sam is very good at these kind of things. She actually, um, uh, along with one of her coworkers a couple of years ago, designed a app for the local art museum, uh, Minneapolis In- Institute of Art. Um, they made an app for the museum where people could go and do an escape room-like experience in the museum. And there was actually AR in the app mm. where you could kind of shine it at different paintings and get kind of like these AR hints and experiences. And so you kind of like do this kind of escape room puzzle solving thing around the museum. So as part of research for that, she's done like a bajillion escape rooms and is like incredible at these kind of things. So, you know, like anything that's not like challenging, she just blows out of the water, you know? (laughs) That's cool. The AR, uh, what is augmented reality? Is that, Mm -hmm. um, so you see things through your camera on your phone that are kind of, motion tracked into existence in front of you and stuff. That's cool. Yeah. Like in front of the painting, um, people in the twin cities, I think it's still active. If you want it, it's called mm. riddle Mia. This, uh, it's, it's Minneapolis Institute. Uh, Art is Mia. Uh, yeah. You can, uh, <laughs> you, you can go to the, the museum and, and, and check it out. It's totally free. Mm, cool. I think I'll actually do that. That sounds really cool. I'll double what check with got? Sam that it's still active. I might be adver- <laughs> Okay. It's not active anymore. <laughs> Oh, they moved the exhibits. She says it doesn't work anymore. I'm sorry. I advertised something that you can't even use. (laughs) She's got to update it. (laughs) That's cool. Evan, what what have you been? uh, Um, Not not much. I did buy Eldritch Omens, which is a battle box. Uh, Andrew reminded me that it's out. So I went and bought that. It has uh, Craft Worlds armies uh uh editions in there so i've been playing with that but for 40k for for, yeah sorry 40k um so i've been assembling those on my lunch break and stuff but i i did want to mention last week i was telling fisher about this at our meeting i have a so in our spare bedroom we have this like uh tube tv with a vcr in it it's like a small little tv it was the tv megan had when we first started dating and I thought it was hilarious, but we still have it. And I played <laughs> Nintendo on it and I have a top loader Nintendo, um, but it started to uh, wear out or something. So I sent it in and to a, some some website called Retro Fixes and mm-hmm. they're going to install an a, um, a AV port on it. Mm-hmm. Like they're going to mod it for me. And I think they're going to add like an LED light. Which I think is pretty cool because yeah. the the top loader Nintendo only has the coaxial hookup, and I think that's what was failing on it. So, um, mm. one of my favorite games uh, is Mega Man Three, and I just I just love replaying it and trying to master it. Um, mm-hmm. So once I get that top loader back, I'll be way back at it. It's just a a fun game to pick yeah. up and play for a little bit. So I know all like Nintendo products. I think they still come with that sticker on the back with like a little. Mario. Yep. I, yep. It's back there. Yep. Is that what you called? Did you try? No, no. It's just, I just, <laughs> I was just troubleshooting my issue online and I found this mm-hmm. website. There's a lot of people that are, they'll just mod and fix old consoles and old things like that. Um, That's awesome. And I, I found this one and the, the guy who responded, he actually created a new purchase option where he's going to like fix the thing that's wrong. And then he's going to install this AV output and i'm looking forward to that so 
four thousand dollars <laughs> yeah no no it's like i think all told it's like 90 dollars. which that's it, it's up there but that's it, worth it it's it's a fun i love the top loader it's i mean how much is in how much is an nes run you on ebay these days i wonder i don't know i tried who to clean mine who, and who i would buy the original nes it. at this point anyway because you can get those like those yeah. fangled ones like the top loaders Right. Well, oh, there are it, there are purists too who like you know the original thing. Is it a so. Nintendo product that that top loader? Yep, it's like okay. the second edition or second version. But for it's whatever so reason, do you still have to blow in a game for it to work? I mean, you <laughs> should anyways, just for uh, yeah, as a habit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, the best way for it to work is when you blow through a shirt. When you blow through the shirt you're wearing. <laughs> And that's that's so, when the cartridge actually works when you put is that it what in. you th- is that what you, what you believed when you were a child? No, um, I, oh. I arrived at that in my twenties. A friend, <laughs> okay. a friend clued me in on that. Um, is that to like filter your spit so you're not spitting on it? Is that the the theory? That makes sense. Reduce I think it's just magic. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Someone should do like a YouTube video about all the all the techniques people had to get their <laughs> Nintendo game to work. I remember. <laughs> Putting it in, like, you know, the, the old one where you put it in, you popped it down. Mm-hmm. Put it in, but, like, not quite all the way, so that when you push yep. it down... It clicks you push it, But, yeah, not even a little bit. You're just like, cha! You know, like, just <laughs> jamming it down. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it works like that. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> wow. It's, a, it's so surprising that, like, technology was so bad at some point, and yet it was, like, the most popular thing. <laughs> people People just accepted it. Like, yeah, that's what you do. With this technology, it just doesn't yep. work most of the time. Mm-hmm. You didn't well, know you I liked better, it better that way. <laughs> it, 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 it can be janky, but like, you know, some of it's mechanically janky, but, you know, it, I think that's a lot of like what the simplicity of it is what draws a lot of like retro gaming people to it, right? Like, there's no mm-hmm. software updates, there's no software rot, right? Like, where um, kind of things slowly go obsolete just due to rolling software updates. You know, a NES cartridge will work on an NES, assuming, you know, you keep the electronics fixed and not degrading forever, right? It'll never, Mm -hmm. like, software update out of a cartridge being functional. And so in some ways, like, you know, like, the technology was a little jank, and it definitely isn't as sophisticated as today's, but in a lot of ways, it's preserved way better than, like, you know, like, uh, this week in the news, Nintendo just, like, um, took, what, the 3DS and the Wii U, uh, uh, stores offline you can't get any mm-hmm. any you can't download games for those platforms anymore but you know you can still buy an nes cartridge uh that's from somebody else who owned it you know 20 years ago mm-hmm. and it still works mm-hmm. in your in your console mm-hmm. and it might have someone's name written on the back and you're like who's <laughs> jeremy <laughs> <laughs> exactly andrew yes what's up with you i played flesh and blood oh for the first time yeah, so I got these. I was going to ask you if you even played the game. Yeah, cool. I did. Yeah, yeah. A uh, friend of mine came over uh, uh, last week, and we played. It was really. It was. Uh, so I I was trying to like brush up on the rules. So I watched some videos online. I tried to read their rule book. Oh my god, uh, <laughs> it's not. It's not intended to be the thing you read to learn how to play. It's like, it's it's the thing you read when like you're uh, when you when when like you need to do like litigation about the game. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty intense, but, um, 
it looks, you know, like like most card games, you know, it, it looks really complex when you kind of you don't really know what's going on. But when you actually sit down to play, it's pretty it's pretty simple. So it's like this back and forth uh, fighting game where, uh, you know, stopping you've heard this before, you have health and you're trying to get the uh, person's health down to zero. And the first person to get the health down to zero wins. Um, there are multiple formats. We played the Blitz format, which is like the faster version, which has uh, heroes that have less health. Um, the constructive format is a little bit more intense. You have like double the amount of health and you have like a much bigger deck and you have this gigantic sideboard, which is cards that you can add to your deck after you see what hero you're going to be, uh, fighting against. Um, but, uh, yeah, overall, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, it does have this really great, like feeling of this, uh, kind of desperate scrap, with an, another individual um at least the first game we played definitely did i was like down to one health at the very end and then went through maybe like three rounds where i was just kind of like just dumping my entire hand trying to fend off <laughs> the attacks and uh was able to just just do enough um and outlast uh his card draw so that he finally drew a card a hand that was not great and uh, i was able to finish him off so that that felt that felt really good. It had this really awesome feeling of just like two like sweaty, bloody <laughs> people just <laughs> pounding each other into the dirt. Um and uh yeah, mechanically it was uh it's it's uh, like the the way the resources work and the way that they're printed on the cards, I thought was uh was pretty interesting. It it does the thing where, you know, like everything is maximized. Um, like all the information is maximized in a way or like shown in a way where um, a card is one card can do a lot of things mechanically. Uh, And that, that was, that was pretty cool. Um, Definitely not playing at a high level or anything, but I could definitely tell there's uh, a lot of um, potential there uh, if you really want to get into the nuances of the game. Um, So yeah, I might, I, I got a care package from a friend, um, uh and he gave me man i don't know a few hundred maybe like 500 cards it could be more i don't know it's like all these all these commons so many commons <laughs> all his uh, extras but yeah 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 <laughs> well that's the thing like that i really you know saw from like when i was like oh now i understand why people are buying cases of this thing is the way that the collation is in a flesh and blood booster display uh you you get pretty much all the commons you need in one display if you're playing that blitz format. If you had two displays, you'd you'd have everything you needed, um, and it was really evenly distributed. So uh, there were very few cards I did not get two copies of, um, and I appreciated that. But there was just enough that I didn't get two copies of. I was like, oh, come on now, now I got to go find these. Um, but it's easy if you know someone who plays Flesh and Blood because they're going to have a ton of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then like the rare slots, uh, are there's only like three of them per pack. There's only 10 cards in a pack. And uh, so like those rare slots are taken up by uh, sometimes an, uh, like a mega rare and sometimes a foil. And because of that, there are not very many uncommons. Um, like it's it's I think I maybe got like two doubles of uncommons. So yeah, if you want like a whole like playset, man, you have to buy a lot of these, a lot of these packs, like an obscene amount. I'm guessing a case. <laughs> <laughs> As you learn. But yeah, it was fun. 
And I watched the Super Bowl on Sunday uh, when uh, Nate uh, Nate French invited me over to to watch the game, and uh, got to see him and uh, a couple other guys uh, used to work with. Um, it was really it was really fun. Sam, my my son, came along, uh, and that was uh, we had a, we had a good time. We were rooting for the Bengals. The Bengals lost. Yeah, they lost. Yeah, I watched sad. the halftime show. Yeah, <laughs> how did you I like watched. it? Uh, I thought it was kind of cool. It was kind of cringe, cringy at times. <laughs> yeah, it was cool. the, 50, the fifty cent part, maybe. Yes, yes. Yeah, I saw someone say he looked more like one dollar. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> Poor Fitty. <laughs> he, he looked like he was struggling to hang upside down there. Well, I don't know how long was he hanging upside. I was worried that he was going to go pass out or something. You think he was hanging there for the entirety of the like the first act? Yeah, like, like a bat. Come on, come on. <laughs> I wouldn't want to sing hanging upside down. That sounds awful. No, yeah, no. yeah, yeah. And then he had to like get like be right side up and start singing like uh, like I would imagine like the blood is probably like rushing from his head and he's like, struggling to stand up. Yeah. I yeah, saw okay. the the memes and comments online the following day, um, so I, I kind of pieced together how the performance went. <laughs> <laughs> no, I liked it. I thought it was. That was- it was cool, and I'm not really like a huge fan of that music anyway. Yeah, it's very, it's very lavish. It was very lavish. Well, that's the kind of hip hop I can get behind. Like, yeah, for uh, sure. It's old, old hip hop. <laughs> yeah, I, I was gonna say it, but it felt mean if I said it. <laughs> <laughs> 90s hip hop is the best hip hop. <laughs> well, Kendrick Lamar is pretty cool too. Though. Yeah, yeah, he Kendrick is great. Right. And I, I loved like Snoop just was like. He, he was just vibing he was like having a good Seemed time like a good time was, yeah. yeah it's if you're a snoop dog i think you're having a good time all the time mm-hmm. <laughs> for sure that's how i visualize him anyway <laughs> <laughs> well i think that brings us around to the end you guys i think you you're right fit in no we got it well uh we loved hearing from you cameron um however you got to us so we want to encourage the rest of you listeners and and thank you to all the people who have been listening to us so far it's fun for us i hope it's it's been fun for you um but yeah reach out ask us some stuff ask anything you want about the game and we'll hopefully get to it on the show um and also follow us on social media you can reach out, out to us via email info at earthborngames.com and thanks for listening thanks for talking you guys thank you yeah, yeah thanks. thanks everyone see you in two weeks bye bye